Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. This nationally recognized, award-winning podcast is hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. I'm your host, Mindy McCulley, Extension Specialist for Instructional Support at the University of Kentucky. There are over 47,000 suicides a year in the United States, and we lose about 800 people in Kentucky to suicide each year. When a suicide happens, families are left behind to grieve and make sense of the loss. But suicide also impacts a wide range of people exposed to the death. Dr. Sorrell returns today to talk to us about how suicide exposure and how we can help people who are impacted by these suicides. Dr. Julie Sorrell is a professor in the University of Kentucky College of Social Work and director of Suicide Prevention and Exposure Lab. She is an international expert on suicide exposure and bereavement and has recently served as president of the American Association of Suicidology, and her work has been funded by the Military Suicide Research Consortium, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and Patient-Centered Outcome Research Initiative. We also have Dr. Carrie Ashurst, Senior Extension Specialist for Family and Relationship Development, here to join us for the conversation today. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thanks. So let's just get started and tell me a little bit about suicide exposure and why it matters. So when suicides occur, a lot of the times people think that it really only impacts a handful of people, just the family. And what we found is that first, families who have lost a loved one to suicide feel a lot of stigma and don't get the same reaction for their grief that people who have lost family members suddenly and violently to other causes like car accidents have happened. But suicides also impact a much wider range of people. When a suicide happens in a school, it impacts everyone in the school community from other students to teachers to the cafeteria staff who then don't have that child passing through their line every single day. When it happens in a church community, it impacts everyone when there's that empty seat. And so we've really come up with this idea that suicide, we need to talk about bereavement, of course, but we also need to talk about exposure. Who are the wider circle of people in any given community when a suicide happens that might themselves be at higher risk because they've been exposed to the suicide? And by exposed, we mean just know the person. Right. They had to be there or they had to find them after they died. So, and when we talk about exposure, I remember when my children were in high school, there was a suicide. I know that a lot of the talk that mothers were having was, oh no, does that mean our children are going to be committing suicide now? Is that normal, I guess, is my question. Yeah, it is normal. And what we know is that knowing someone and feeling close to someone, regardless of whether or not you were close with them, but that perception of feeling like you were like them or close to them is a risk factor. And so it's important to think about who is exposed to suicide and how those suicides impact them, not just based on the actual relationship, but 
on, are they the freshman on the football team and it's the senior quarterback that dies and they hope someday to be like him. Mm-hmm. How that death impacts other people who are exposed is really important. And we have to have a reaction, not just to help the grieving family, but to help the community because different people are at varying levels of risk after that suicide happens. And we just don't know yet who's going to be at most risk, who's going to be most vulnerable for their own mental health difficulties and suicide after it occurs. So how many people are exposed to suicide? So we've done a number of studies, both in Kentucky and nationwide. And reliably, what we found is that half of people know someone over the course of their life that's died by suicide. And so doing some calculations to figure out for everyone that dies by suicide and the number of people that say they know someone So that number six has been batted around for a long time, that each suicide only impacts about six people. And what we know is that it's not six. I actually use that hashtag a lot. In fact, it's more like 135 people that are impacted by each suicide. Those 135 people are are exposed. And a certain percentage of those, probably a third, will have some degree of impact. And so that makes it much more of a community issue, trying to figure out who's going to have the most impact after a suicide occurs, how many people report exposure, they know someone or they found them or they heard about it in a way that was traumatic to them. That's such a good point. You know, those ripple effects, I think, are so much wider than we might realize. Yeah, definitely. And, And we really need the work to figure out like you were talking about before, Melinda, who is who is at most risk when these happen? I was just remembering when we had a suicide in our family. I guess I was maybe in my early 20s, and I could not understand how my uncle could do that. You know, it was it, it, it made no sense to me how he could leave his young children and his wife. And but I never stop to think what he was going through. Um, But I think a lot of people are left with those whys or the what ifs, if only I'd reached out and called them, if only I'd done this. And that becomes the kind of legacy of a lot of, of people that die by suicide is there's so many people left behind asking that why question and wishing they had done something differently. So what do people who are exposed to suicide need? We're not quite sure what most people need, but they need some acknowledgement. And as a community, we need to reach out broader than just the family or that very close circle of friends and really acknowledge that it's okay to talk about. It's okay to talk about the person that died. It's okay to talk about the fact they died by suicide. We don't want to go into too much detail about how it happened because occasionally there's something called contagion where other people kind of see that the the suicide is glorified and, right. and copy it. But that's fairly rare. Um, a lot of the time we kind of tamp down all that discussion because we don't, we're worried so much about contagion that then people who want to grieve have no space to grieve. So sometimes high schools will say, if a child dies in a car accident, we'll have a seat at graduation, but we won't if it was a suicide. Mm. The best recommendations is, in your community, in your school, wherever this is happening, treat it exactly how you would any other sudden traumatic death. 
And so if there's that seat at graduation, have a seat at graduation for all kids that that die. And don't glorify it, but talk about how the person lived, not how they died. Yes. Those are all such very good points. I'm glad to hear you say some of that, that that idea of having no space. That, uh, you know, when we think of, of bereavement and grieving from any kind of death, and how difficult that can be. But then when we feel like we're not given the space to be able to, to talk about a death and it being by suicide, you know, that, that can make things even more complicated. And, uh, you know, just being able to, to feel like there's someone we can come to and talk openly about it. And I think that's where we can really come in when it comes to that question you asked, Mindy, about what people need that have been exposed to suicide. You know, with, with the work that we do in extension, we can certainly be listeners. We can certainly be non-judgmental people in their lives. We can be the ones that that say it's okay to talk to us about it. You know, be able to help to connect to the resources that are local or national um, social media resources that are out there. There's some great groups online for survivors. You know, being able to just get some of the information into the hands of the people in our communities in Kentucky and even being able to have information handy, such as um, trainings you can participate in. Question, persuade, refer is one of those. QPR is the acronym. It's a very short training that people can participate in that helps them to learn some very good basic information about suicide assessment questions and referral processes. And then um, programs that are out there that are a little more lengthy, like mental health first aid, that provide some really good information about ways to engage in non-judgmental conversation and ways to ask questions about suicide and if someone is feeling like they might be suicidal. And uh, then just simply, uh, you know, things that we can do to work ourselves through the process of feeling more comfort. It's not a comfortable topic. It's not an easy topic to talk about. And um, it's not easy to just walk up to someone and say, are you feeling suicidal? But, you know, there are a lot of different things that we can do, I think, with Cooperative Extension Service to be able to work on some of those listening skills and those simple talking skills, those conversational skills, practicing it sometimes can be one of the single most important ways to gain more comfort with talking about some of these difficult topics. And also, if you know someone that has been exposed to suicide or is grieving a loss from suicide, don't be afraid to talk about the person that died. Don't be afraid to say their name because those memories are going to be there and We want people who are grieving to be able to remember their loved one's life and not how they died. Exactly. I think that that is such an important point because everybody's life is valid and and they have so much to give while they're living that that we do want to remember their contribution while they were here. Yes, I know that there are some important telephone numbers and text lines that you all might want to talk about. Yes, I think there are a couple of good pieces of information that we've talked about in some other podcasts, but it's always that I think it's always good to provide that information again wherever we can. Uh, One is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and that's 1 800 273 TALK 8255 TALK. And uh, having that phone number in your phone, being able to use it with someone who might be experiencing a crisis or might feel like they are suicidal, but then also just being able to walk through it, use that phone number and call it yourself to be able to walk through the process and see what it's like, be able to learn more about the resources that they're going to connect you to that are close to you in your own community so that you can network. 
There's also a crisis text line option for those who might not feel as much comfort with talking to someone over the phone. And that is 741-741 for the crisis text line. Appreciate that information. And we will certainly link those numbers in our show notes so that if you weren't able to catch the numbers as we were discussing them, you can certainly read about them in the show notes. Uh, Dr. Sorrell and Dr. Ashash, thank you for your time today. I know that it is been a very important topic. And of this, this will, of course, go along with our Living with Loss series, playing the hand you are dealt. And so thank you for the time that you've given us today. Thanks. And if you are just joining us on the podcast, you are listening to Talking Facts, and we are available on all major podcast providers. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition, health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and a comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT or send us an email at UKFCSEXT at UKY.edu. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. We build Kentucky. It starts with us.